Ladies and gents, welcome to episode 36 of the Moyes podcast. A little bit late this week, but if you're listening to this in the future, then pff, don't even worry about that. It's been one of those weeks. Chaos with Boris and all of his changes of regulations and shit. But we're not here to talk about lockdown. We're not even here to talk about corona, although potentially linked into tonight's discussion or today's discussion, whenever the fuck you're listening to this. No, we are going to be talking about... Well, this time it's going to be a story because... Previous podcast been very inform- informative, very educational, and hopefully this is also those things. But I want to talk to you about one of the scariest moments of my life, and that was when I was made redundant for the first and so far only time, touch wood. And the reason I want to talk about this is because there are a lot of people right now that are going through this. A lot of people that because of the worldwide you know, circumstances, because of everything that's going on in the world, they are losing their jobs or being downgraded, etc. Regardless of you know what the government are trying to do as far as keep us all fed and financially, what's the word? Upright? I don't know. <laughs> but like I said, it's a topic I wanted to cover because I've been there. I know the feelings that go along with it, and I know the fear of the unknown that can go along with it. And it actually ended up being one of the best things that ever happened to me, believe it or not. Now, here we are in 2020, and I'm going to rewind six years. We're in 2014. And at this moment in time, I am working for Fitness First, a gym, a place where I kind of started my working life, if I'm honest, as a Saturday boy, and then working my way up to uh, full-time and then front-of-house manager. And then I went off to do multiple different things, worked in Brighton as an assistant manager of LA Fitness for a little while, and then just fed up with the commute, loved the job, fed up with commuting all the way to Brighton, bought a motorbike to do that very thing, and obviously... Come hell or high water, come rain or shine, I was on this bike for two hours every single day. An hour there and an hour back commuting to to this gym. And like I said, I loved it. I loved the people. I loved the club. It was amazing. And looking at the situation, my old club, Fitness First, where I began in Bognor Regis, it was not doing too great. And I didn't think of myself as a saviour, but... I love that club. I still train there. It was my um, it was my gym, and I didn't like kind of what was happening to it. I was worried about it. There was a lot of reports about it not doing too well. So I thought, you know, maybe if I go back, you know, there's something I can do to improve member retention because that's what my I know my my biggest kind of focus was. My enjoyment was. I touched on previous podcast about loving being around people. And the further up the tree you climb and being an assistant manager, it was very, there was a lot of admin to do, a lot of stuff behind the scenes, a lot of working in storerooms and in the plant rooms, etc. running the place. I was operations manager, essentially. So, you know, I was responsible for the operation of the club. And that doesn't always mean that you are interacting with people. And so when the opportunity arose to go back, I did. And so in 2014, I did. Um, In all fairness, I think it was actually earlier than 2014. But the reason I go back to 2014 is that's when we first got word of some bad stuff lingering. There was, you know, looking at our, our P&L, we were not doing good. Now, looking back now, obviously, it's a fundamental principle of keeping a business afloat is that you bring in more money than you spend. And a lot of 
a lot of months are EBITDA after everything. Obviously, that's essentially what you know, earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, etc. But basically, the amount of money the club was bringing in was minimal. We're talking like some months, forty quid. Some months, a couple of hundred quid in the negative. And there had been multiple staffing restructures, multiple meetings about changing hours, changing shift patterns, you know, removing people from from employment, you know, reducing people's hours. And it was scary. And this wasn't the first time. We'd had about three of these meetings. And it was the end of 2014 when we got wind, thanks to the members, um, of there being interest in a change of uh, business type uh, change of uh, kind of premises application. I can't remember what it's exactly called, but essentially our facility, Unit 3, was undergoing planning permission to be changed to a different type of business. And we were like, hang on the fuck, you know, we're still here, we're still a gym, what's going on? And it would appear that a company called Home Bargains had taken an interest in where our site was and they wanted it. And I don't know how factually correct this is, but this is just the information that I was given and this is the information that I've believed up until this day. But Home Bargains came in and offered Fitness First about £400,000 to end their lease of the building and get out, basically. Now, obviously, from Fitness First position, you've got a club which is turning over zero money. You've got, you know, it's it's literally just keeping itself afloat on some months, you know, uh, costing the business money. And Fitness First strategy, as we've seen play out with multiple clubs in the South Coast and across, you know, the UK, it wanted to be inside the M- M25. That's where Fitness First wanted to focus its attention, in terms of the UK anyway. Uh, so we weren't the only club that ended up getting shut. But we were told to do certain things. We were told to play around with stuff. There was membership increases. There was so much stuff that happened over 2014 to try and guess make a difference. But you know, if you're the accountant looking at a business making nothing and someone walks along and goes, here's 400,000 pounds, what are you going to do with it? Especially when it's in line with your business focus anyway. So 20, well, 2015, the hammer came down and we were told that the club was going to close. We were told that you know planning had been accepted. It was going to go through. And so, you know, the members, bless them, loads of staff, we tried our best to petition the council to block the changeover, which was a bit fucking stupid when you look at it now. It's just business, isn't it? But it was what it was. And Fitness First was awesome. It was a hub of the area. You know, it was it was more than just a gym. And I still stand by that to this day. There hasn't been any gym that I've been a member at or even visited since that has had the same ethos, the same community you know, it was helped by so many different factors, the staff, the members, the layout, the facilities, the location. There were so many different things that contributed. So it isn't just a cookie cutter recipe that you could apply to anything. But it was amazing. It really, really was. Um, and obviously, having taken this leap to go back to fitness first and then being told the club's going to shut, we're then all sat in this position going, fuck, what do we do? So I then got told you're going to be made redundant, which was a really, really shit meeting. Now, this was early 2015. And around about that point, I was also going through one of the darker stages of my life too. I was going through divorce separation. I was going through rebuilding my life, despite the fact it was my decision, despite the fact that, you know, this is what I chose. I was starting from scratch. You know, I'd spent seven eight years building up a life and accruing all the stuff that comes with that cutlery you know all that stuff i don't know why that popped in my head but you know what i mean 
And I had to start fresh. I had a new home. I had all new things. And I was rebuilding, you know. And it was the worst thing to be told at that moment, by the way, you are not going to have a job which obviously sucks even more having made the leap from a job which was stable, but more on that one later. And so you literally shit broken glass, as I'm sure a lot of my clients that have turned around have been told the same thing have. You're sat there going, what the fuck am I going to do? You know, what the, what, what the hell now what? You know, what do I do? What comes next? And thankfully, you know, it wasn't during a particularly non-employment rife time. But at the same time, there wasn't like a million and one jobs out there. It wasn't, you know, affluent with jobs. It was quite a sparse, I suppose, climate, if you will. Now, first things first, we were given a bonus to stay and help close the club. Um, basically, all of the, the heads of department were basically told, you can have a, an extra £1,000 in your last paycheck if you stick around and you don't jump ship early, you stick around, you help us close the club. Now, I thought to myself, you know, it's a thousand pound and I'd be fucking stupid to not take that because at the end of the day, any new employer is going to give me the opportunity to finish out my term there. You know, then they're going to be cool with it. So I did. And it was one of those moments, first and foremost, where you do, like I said, you ship broken glass. You're terrified. You know, I've never, ever been in that position before. And then obviously with just rebuilding, you're like, fuck's sake, I've just rebuilt one side of my life. Now I've got to rebuild another. So once you collect your thoughts, your brain then goes into this kind of overdrive mode of now what? Now what do I do? So first thing I do is I jump on Indeed and I just go absolutely crazy. Obviously, I update my CV, get it uploaded, and I just go crazy applying for jobs. And during time, I was watching a program which had uh, Jesse Pavelka in it. And it was all about him helping obese people um, lose weight. It was How to Save Your Life. Um, and it was really, really interesting program, glued to the series. Um, and basically what he would do is he would help these uh, obese and morbidly obese people, not, you know, get skinny, but help them change their life in a more sustainable way. Help them make changes to their diet, to their exercise regime, etc. And we were watching it. I was like, that's what I want to do. That's, that's really cool. That's really benefiting someone. And I found a job on Indeed, which was literally along those lines. So, so similar uh, in terms of the brief anyway. It wasn't quite as similar in, in real life, but there were elements. And I applied for it. And so obviously, while going through the motions with, um, with Fitness First, with closing the club and going through all of the stuff that came along with that and proper sad, really, really sad. Uh, it was like the end of an era. Uh, I was obviously going through interviews, etc. And, you know, shit in broken glass going, fuck, here I am doing an interview again. But this isn't just an interview where I don't have to leave my current job. This is an interview where I fucking need this job. So I gave it everything I could. You know, I'm, I'm sat in this position and, you know, I'm, I tried my very best to come across in the best way. And I should probably stress at this moment in time, this wasn't the only interview that I'd had. A few weeks prior, I'd also interviewed for a local leisure center, had the formal interview, thought it went relatively well, um, but then got a call to say that someone else had got the job and it turns out someone internally had got the job, which was kind of, okay, fair enough. You know, That's how the game gets played and stupid UK employment law means they have to advertise a job and interview people even if they have no intention of employing them. Um, and they never gave me any feedback in terms of what I did do or didn't do apart from I was good and they decided to go with somebody internal. So, you know. Not much more I could take away from that. Anyway, 
Um, the job was with a, uh, a great company in the area. I'm not going to mention their name because I don't know if that's okay to do. But either way, they were linked with the NHS working with the obese and morbidly obese on what's called a tier three weight management program. So very much like Jesse was doing with these people, I would help people make sustainable changes to their lifestyle to promote fat loss and obviously improve health. Now, there was another string to the bow with this particular job, which was helping people prepare for weight loss surgery, helping them establish good habits with their nutrition and exercise and movement, etc. Because obviously weight loss surgery isn't the be all and end all. Um, and obviously, you know, there were certain criteria they had to meet to ensure that they could be put forward for weight loss surgery. And I'm not going to lie, that element, you know, referring people to tier four, as it's called, was not fun. I didn't enjoy that side of things. I've never been a huge advocate for weight loss surgery. I understand it. I understand why there is a point of no return when it is perhaps necessary to keep someone alive. But sometimes my argument is at what cost? Now, I do know a lot of the uh, the patients, they do live nearby. I did work the area that I live in, weirdly enough. Um, and I do know of a couple of women that have been very successful with weight loss surgery. So I'm not vetoing it completely, but it's it's a very, very extreme method to a much bigger problem. And I didn't like the fact that I was the last kind of me and I suppose a couple of, uh, you know, me, a psychologist, uh, one meeting and... A, um, a, a dietitian were the last port of call before someone was put forward for surgery and then had all the meetings with doctors etc I just felt like as an organization perhaps there was more that could be done but again that's just my own my own opinion with regards to this this whole situation you know it's a deep psychological problem and I don't believe an hour with a psychologist is enough I believe there's more to it than that um, and more that could be done to prevent the need for going under the knife but anyway I'm digressing so Got the job, thankfully. Um, breathe a massive sigh of relief. But what that did was, at that point, I was personal training people, so I still had a little bit to fall back on, uh, despite the fact I was using my premises to personal train people, so I had to obviously join another gym to secure somewhere to do that. But what that did was, at that point, I was, yet yeah, personal trainer, but I was very much old-school personal trainer. You know, here's a formal diet plan of chicken, rice, broccoli. Here is, you know, you must do exercise. You must lift weights, you know, very much a by the book kind of old school PT, not too educated on a huge amount of flexibility. You know, I'd, I'd you know, I'd used flexible diet myself with my fitness power, etc. I'd used it with my clients, you know, so it wasn't completely chicken, rice, broccoli, if I'm, if I'm honest, but I still wasn't broad enough minded to know more about the psychology that comes along with fat loss. This was more about a case of, well, here's a problem. Here's the solution. You know, eat less, move more. Job's good. And it was only through then doing this job, working with this tier three weight management program and working with people that are at the extreme end of the problem going wrong, that you really begin to understand the importance of creating good habits, the importance of creating a lifestyle out of moving more and a lifestyle out of being mindful of what you consume you realize that it's not about extremes like removing carbohydrates or you know reducing sugar or you know being too detrimental or you know depraving or deprived sorry of all the foods you enjoy you understand that it's about balance because when you're working with someone that is north of three four hundred pounds you're finding yourself in a position where in actual fact that person doesn't need to have their chocolate bars removed. 
despite that's what the media and what people would automatically think, you know, I'll just get rid of all the shit food. Because the issue runs a lot deeper than that. The issue is about how they approach their life, their own mental well-being, their self-image, their self-worth. And so those are the elements that you really actually have to focus on. You can't just walk in and go, well, chocolate bar, you shouldn't be having that, should you? You've got to take a much more pragmatic and open-minded approach to go and get to know the person and go, right, you know what? We're not going to take that away because you enjoy that. But let's let's exercise a little bit of control around it and multiple different routes to achieve the same result, but taking a much more personal approach. Now, while I was doing this, I was still running my own business. And this weight management program absolutely transformed my opinion and my approach to everything that I did as far as working with my clients. Because there were still obviously certain clients on the books where it was a case of, you know, strict programming, doing things that people that are obese or morbidly obese couldn't do. But my entire outlook towards the approach that you take and what is genuinely realistic completely turned on its head. Because you begin to understand at that level that it's not just as simple as follow this diet plan, do this exercise, there's your result, thanks very much. And so to go full circle back to 2015, back to being very redundant, back to one of the scariest conversations I've ever had at one of the most sensitive and hardest times of my life, in fact, the hardest time of my life, unequivocally, Being made redundant was actually the best thing that ever happened to me. Because if that hadn't happened, then Lord knows where I would be. I definitely wouldn't be sat here recording a podcast to try and help as many people as I could. I definitely wouldn't be fortunate enough to be, well, I'm I'm damn sure I wouldn't be fortunate enough to be my own boss, completely self-employed, running my own business being responsible for you know for what I do and not having anybody kind of look over my shoulder the life that I've got now the approach that I take and the life I suppose that I've helped other people create through my programs etc I wouldn't have any of that had home bargains not swooped in and gone we want that building and that's quite a weird thing to actually think about when you find that your entire life has been kind of created simply because there was a company that wanted the building that your company worked in and you made redundant. And it's such a cliche to say like a phoenix from the flames or, you know, it's it's always uh, darkest before the dawn or whatever the fucking saying you want to use. But genuinely, the best thing, one of the best things that ever happened to me was being made redundant, was being told, sorry, mate, you ain't got a job anymore, bye. Because that then forced me to not just go out and find something to wake me up, if you will, but it also forced me to go down a rabbit hole of what do I genuinely want to do? You know, let's let's put it back in layman's terms. I saw a program, I saw something that someone was doing which I liked, and I was just fortunate enough at that time to find a job that did basically exactly what Jesse was doing. And that approach completely revolutionized myself. So Incidentally, not only is being made redundant the best one of the best things that ever happened to me, but it's actually one of the best things that ever happened to the people that I worked with. There are now hundreds, if not thousands of people that I've worked with since that now have completely different outlooks on life, now have healthier lives, better approaches to what they do because I was made redundant. It's a very, very odd paradox. But if you'd said to me in that moment, if you'd said to me back in 
2015, it was the end of March 2015, I remember, that it closed. That, just so you know, buddy, this is going to be the making of you. You know, this is the be- one of the best things that's ever happened to you. Then, I would tell you to fuck off. No way in hell would I believe it. No way in hell would I sit there and go, how can being made redundant, how can being told that you're not going to have a job, you're not going to have any money coming in, how can that be a good thing? But it was. So for all of you that have fallen victim to COVID and all of the shit, particularly shit financial side of things that have come with that, there is potentially the making of you on the horizon. Because I kept changing, you know, I kept stumbling over my words there when I said the best thing that ever happened to me, because it isn't the best thing that ever happened to me. Best thing that ever happened to me is my children. And that in itself is something else which was the making of me. So two things that scared the shit out of me, two things that absolutely terrified me, two things that I never actually really wanted to go through, if I'm honest, have absolutely been the making of me have been the best things that have ever happened and have been the most worthwhile, the most educational, the most transformative in my entire 32 years to this date. So if you do find yourself in a tricky situation, as so many of my clients are at the moment, just know that this is far from the end. You may have been living a life which you thought was great, because I did. You know, I love my job at Fitness First. It was it was awesome. Life was grand. But and you know, in that in that instance, before the whole redundancy thing came along, at no point would I have thought that, you know, things could get better. I was quite content, you know, I was doing what I was doing. I was kind of, you know, just enjoying going to work. It was, you know, it was good some days, bad others, and I thought that was the best it could be. And then suddenly I find myself five years on in a position where I'm essentially the master of my own destiny. I'm not shackled by any corporation. I can say what I want to say. I can put my opinions out there. I can help people without being censored. You know, I just, I say what I think. And I'm free, in a way. And that came from some of the shittest moments ever. And it could very well be the case for you guys. It could very well be that That redundancy is proper shit right now, but it actually may open the doors to be something which is pretty damn special for you. You may find a life that you never even knew existed, that you never even dreamed could exist, because you're made redundant. So, if I could give you any advice from, I suppose, Chris of five years ago, it would be, be organised, you know, get your shit together as far as your CV goes. Make it look good. You know all the tricks in that. Get on Indeed. Get on Monster if they're still around. Uh, I know Monster. I know Indeed is. I'm not sure if Monster is. Get on Facebook Jobs. That's a new one that I didn't have back then. And just get out there. But don't just go out there blindly looking for any old job. Because there will be some. Really think about what you want to do. Because I watched that program and that just lit a fire in me. I felt passionate about wanting to do what Jesse was doing. I watched that program and I went, I want to do that. And that was even before I got made redundant. And so make sure that when you go out into the world, you may have to settle. You may have to go to the job before the job. But just give yourself this opportunity 
when you've got this moment of a foot being firmly on your backside to really think about what you genuinely want to do. How do you genuinely want to wake up each morning? What do you genuinely want to pursue? What excites you? What are you passionate about? Because I promise you, you're still going to get good and bad days. You're still going to get days that are challenging. You know, in what I do, particularly if you give a shit about the people that you're working with, you're going to get days which hit you like a fucking freight train. A lot of weeks Friday does that for me because I'm responding to my clients' check-ins. And sometimes it can be pretty fucking heavy. But it's worth it. Because with every response I give, with every bit of advice I give, with every shift or tweak of program, I'm making their life a little bit better. I'm helping them transform who they are, the way they think, the way they approach their life. They're gaining more and more freedom, more and more confidence from what I'm doing. So it isn't just a case of me going to work and then nobody would notice if I was there or not. This is an opportunity that I have to make a difference. Hence, another one of the reasons that I dedicate this time each week to the podcast. Because it's another opportunity to make a difference. Another opportunity to go, here's some advice, here's some experience, take from it what you will. So this time around, on episode 36, redundancy is not the end. Redundancy is fucking shit. It is. But it actually could very well be the gateway to the next thing. The thing that you didn't even know was there. You could have been quite content in what you were doing. And maybe that's the problem. Maybe you were too content to not push up to the next level when the next level is where you actually want to be. So, figure it out. What are you passionate about? What is it you want to do? What is it you want to wake up excited to do every single day? What is, what is it that ignites that fire in you that you go, I want to do that? And go after it. Look after you know the, the stuff that you need to look after. Be sensible. Fuck me. Have some savings behind you. This was another reason for that extra thousand pound that we were getting. That was going to be quite handy just to tide me over for a month if I couldn't find the job. So whatever the fuck you do, make sure that you don't have nothing behind you. You know, always have a safety net. Jesus Christ. But remember that there is more to life than just go to work, be forgettable and come home again. I'm not saying you have to be a coach. I'm not even saying that you have to work with people, but do something you're passionate about. Folks, thank you for listening. That's my very condensed story of my redundancy back in 2015. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you did, by all means, please send me a message. It always is always beneficial. And I always love to hear from you guys in terms of what you thought of the podcasts. You've got to remember, these aren't scripted. Sometimes I'm sat here with a few kind of bullet points in front of me, but I'll be honest with you. I literally have a pad in front of me that just says the word redundancy. Everything that you've heard right now has been completely off the top of my head. So if you're enjoying it, enjoying the podcast in general, if you've enjoyed this particular one, if it's resonated with you, fuck it. If you've had a similar experience, then do me a favor and drop me a message. Let me know. Instagram at Chris Moyes or Facebook at Chris Moyes Fitness. Uh, but folks, I appreciate your time. Okay. Thank you for giving up half an hour of your life. Thank you for lending me your ears, if you will. And I will see you on episode 37. And to be fair, one thing I forgot to mention in this whole episode, and it's quite ironic we're at the end because it's where I usually mention it anyway. But the thing that got me through, and I'm not kidding, this is the moment where it really kind of snowballed in terms of using it as a filter for all the decisions that I make and everything that I was feeling scared shitless in February you know February March 2015 
But the one thing that kept me grounded was having the serenity to accept what I couldn't change. I was going to be made redundant. End of story. It was going to happen. There was nothing I can do about it. Have the courage to change what I could. Work my ass off to find another job. Make sure that I was doing everything I can. Spending every hour that I could finding that job. Alongside, of course, making sure I had some money behind me. Like working that extra time to get that extra thousand pounds. And the wisdom to know the difference. I knew I couldn't change what was about, you know, what was on the horizon, but I knew that I could do something about the outcome. I was going to leave that job. That club was going to close. I was going to close it. I was going to be there on the last day. But I decided what my future looked like. I decided what the next step looked like, what direction I went in with the next step. And you could do the same. Folks, thanks for your time. See you on 37. Toodles.